I'd like to talk about one of my favorite trumpet players. He's not a household name. His name is Fats Navarro. Actually, his given name is Theodore Navarro, born in Key West in the early 1920s. He was the quintessential bebop trumpet player. He was the role model for Clifford Brown, Freddie Hubbard. All the hard bop trumpet players that come out in the 50s and 60s really come out of Fats Navarro. But you just can't look at Fats and examine his music. You have to look at the musicians that shaped Fats Navarro's approach to playing. So that takes us back into the mid-1930s with a lot of big-name trumpet players. Harry James, who was one of the great trumpet players ever. Roy Eldridge, amazing trumpet player. And one of my favorites, who's not as well-known, Charlie Shavers. So these guys come out of the 1930s into the 1940s that change the way the trumpet is played and the rhythmic and improvisational approach. So these are the three that I'd like to talk about. Let's listen to just a snippet of Harry James right now. Harry James had the most melodic and singing-like quality to his playing that was very appealing to trumpet players. He had absolute command of the instrument, but there's a certain sound and a fatness to his the way he plays that is just amazing. When you hear Harry play, he's got great range, beautiful sound, wonderful sense of melody. One of the things you're going to notice with the 1930s players is that they have a very vocal approach, a singer's approach to playing. When we get into the 40s, the trumpet players and saxophone players move away from from that into a more abstract or instrumental approach. very competitive trumpet player. If he knew there was another trumpet player in the club, he would challenge you to a duel. And he was all over the instrument. Charlie Shavers is probably the most modern of them, and he was also a great writer. When we listen to Charlie Shavers, he played with uh, John Kirby. It was called The Littlest Big Band in the Land. And then you hear his playing, and there's something about his rhythmic approach that is different from Eldritch and Harry James. He tends to accent the upbeats. So it makes the music sound more modern, more 1940s than the 1930s. I guess he's setting the stage for the bebop style of rhythm. bop rhythm is very different from swing and people who like the swing style they didn't like the bop rhythm in fact a lot of um, people coming out of the swing era referred to bebop as anti-music or anti-jazz there was a lot of controversy over this new style of music but you have to remember that the swing era jazz music was the popular style in the country but change in music is a result of two things a logical evolution and a revolution 
We see evolution everywhere, but when a style of music becomes cemented in predictability, a revolution has to take place. And the bebop guys were musical revolutionaries. But they didn't just come out of nowhere. One of the great tragedies of American music was a recording ban between 1942 and 44. It's about 18 months when no commercial records were made. So at the time when Dizzy and Charlie and Thelonious Monk and Kenny Clark were experimenting with this new music, there are no recordings. So what we have is 1945, all of a sudden it appears as if bebop just explodes overnight, but it doesn't. The gestation period is about five or six years. This is the soup or the stew from whence comes bebop. We're talking about the trumpet playing of Dizzy Gillespie. Gillespie's playing is a combination of Roy Eldridge's fire and range, Harry James approach, and of course some of the rhythmic approach of Charlie Shavers, and he puts it together into a very original package. Dizzy Gillespie was an amazing trumpet player. I guess you could compare him to a great athlete. He played with finesse. He did things rhythmically that no one had done in terms of range. But you have to remember, he is a product of the swing era. So there are certain swing-isms that are always stayed in his playing. In 1945, when his bebop records were released, he was the role model for this new generation of bebop trumpet players. And that brings us to Fats Navarro. takes everything that these other guys did and he puts it together in the first real bebop package. Fats has things that the other players don't have. He has a fat sound and a rhythmic approach that is different from Gillespie's. See, Fats is not a product of the swing era. The bebop guys, especially Fats Navarro on, don't come up in the swing era. They come up playing this new style of music. Their feet are firmly planted in the world of bebop. Most of the bebop musicians did not play in big bands. They wanted small groups because it allows for more time to improvise as opposed to an arrangement which might take three minutes to get through the arrangement. into listening to Fats Navarro, you can hear that there's a flavor of each one of these trumpet players, one of these masters in Fats Navarro's playing. It could be the approach, uh, the range, the note choice, the rhythm. When you look at this, you can see the lineage. Now, Fats died very young. He was, I think, 27 years old, so his recording career was very short, really only about five or so years, but he left us with a wonderful legacy, and his playing is the blueprint for all the modern trumpet players coming up in the 50s. Even today when we listen to his music, it still sounds very modern. He had that beautiful, fat sound. Dizzy had great technique, but he had a thin sound. Fats could play as high and as fast, but he had this sound. And plus, he's a bebop baby. He's not a swing era baby. 
He's the first of the great bebop trumpet players, and his imprint is still on all trumpet players today. 